Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. George Norrie with you along with Stephen Quayle as we talk about uh, the possibility of earthquake and volcano eruptions. A couple geologists are thanking you for bringing the Cascadia story to the forefront, Steve. Well, one of the most frustrating things, and by the way, I'm the I'm the son of a geologist. My grandfather was a geologist, so uh, you know it's it's kind of a funny story. But anyway, uh, the the and thank you guys. I think people need to recognize the contribution that geologists make. And and you know, I don't know if the guys that are are thanking you for having me on or me being on or whatever. But the thing is, is that. There are a lot of people that want to tell uh, the American people what's really going on. Unfortunately, uh, you know, our country, has, in my opinion, has such an aversion to the, these kind of truths that people are being kept in the dark. Now, listen, smart, very smart people, like, for instance, uh, there's a gentleman named, uh, his last name is Goldfinger. What a great name. I love that name. Yeah, I do too. And, the, you know, one of my huh. favorite shows. But the point is, is that he made the statement that should Cascadia go in or uh, experience a full margin rupture, that we're talking everything west of Interstate 5 basically is gone. And because of the way the west coast, especially Oregon and Washington and even northern California, the, the way that the cities are built very close to the ocean and uh, what's unfortunate is, is that even with, the, let's say, a five-minute warning, you know, it's tough to move that many people. So my goal, George, in this Cascadia film, I want to make it blunt, is to save lives. And I know how frustrating it is. God bless the geologists that basically are, are doing their best to come up with a warning system. And, and there are some and smart people. For instance, Bernard Chouet uh, of the USGS was the guy that really figured out how harmonic tremors were uh, indicative of uh, pending volcanic eruptions, for instance, like Mount Pinatubo. And so there's some amazing uh, work going on. And then what's problematic is that because the planet now seems to have, seriously, it's got multiple motions of multiple plates and, and pressures building up all over, that it demands that uh, some of this pressure be released. So the thing that is critical is the amount of people that that could affect in meaning a full margin rupture on the Cascadia fault line. And, and, and what's important is this. It's not just the sea and obviously the tidal situation that would happen, you know, uh, during a full margin rupture, but it's also off of the coast. There are axial seamounts, which are basically underwater volcanoes. And uh, interestingly enough, that not only are there underwater volcanoes off of our west coast, but now there are also some problematic issues off the east coast, and nobody ever considers that. Obviously, we're watching in Puerto Rico, I think just in the last uh, day, there have been close to 68 earthquakes, and uh, Puerto Rico sits on the deepest trough, the Puerto Rican trench, that's right at 27,000 feet. It's the deepest uh, area in the Atlantic versus a Marianne. I'm sorry, versus the Mariana Trench in the Pacific. And then you've got the Cayman Trough, which is about 25,000 feet and deep. And so what's happening, Puerto Rico's getting squeezed. And also, Puerto Rico is literally having real problems. And, and again, what I would call, in, uh, how do I say this, building towards the release, and the release is going to be very problematic. So when these 
forces going on all over the world. And let's take Indonesia. It's not just anymore. I remember when I started on talk radio 25 years ago, both as a host and as a guest, there were maybe, you know, maybe a half a dozen eruptions. But now we're seeing the major eruptions concurrently all over the planet. For instance, the Kamchatka Peninsula. Are they all connected to Stephen? Well, they're not all. Some people say they're all connected. Obviously, go uh, into the Earth's mantle and you know core; they're all connected. But the point is, is that the magma pools, for instance, that are on the west coast of the United States, go up into Alaska. And I want to make something clear: of the 5,700 NASA flights. And by the way, those are, how do we know those numbers? There are people that monitor the actual tail numbers on Flight Tracker, which every aircraft that flies has to file a flight plan, with the exception of the intelligence agencies. But, you know, just to put it in perspective, I believe there's only been one or two flights over Yellowstone. One of the areas that's uh, west of me in Bozeman, Montana, obviously Yellowstone Park, is, uh, is the area around the Craters of the Moon. The Craters of the Moon is uh, literally it looks like you're on the moon. And that was the last place in the summer, late fall, that I, excuse me, late fall that I was in a helicopter doing aerial photography over. The Department of Energy, which pretty much has control over that whole area, doesn't share their geologic information with other departments. And here's what's happening. In the world of intelligence, or lack thereof, everything is compartmentalized. So everybody wants their turf. So with intelligence, information, listen, information is power. So they that control the information, the outflow of that information, can pretty much, uh, you know, determine what people are given access to, and they barter it. George, it's just like, seriously, it's just like a game of poker. I'm told by those in that world, for the record, I have never been an employment of, in the employee of the federal government, never been a CIA agent, never been anything, and except a researcher, you know, and, a, and, a, and an author and a filmmaker. So what I like to do is talk to the smartest people that are out there, and they will tell you. See, people can tell you what's going on, but what's going on, it, you know, it isn't going to just automatically appear. So this is why it's critical that people understand the Cascadia region is the issue. Yellowstone is a diversion, and, and one of the most amazing things that – and I haven't broken this on anybody's show. I always think it's very cool because, again, we've all had the we've heard the legends of Lemuria and Mew, Jane Churchwood, and uh, and we've heard uh, oh good night Atlantis, and we've heard what they call pseudoarchaeology. But one of the most interesting things I found out, and I sent it to Lex, and and thank you. And we've Lex. got it posted. Yeah, you got it posted. Well, I, I just had this feeling, because, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of stuff on Mars. I'm not there, and I haven't sent my cars there. But by that, I'm talking about the ancient history of Mars is so fascinating, because there's a reason why every civilization on the Earth looks to the stars. There's, there's a, a reason why uh, cosmic events and everything was so problematic to everybody. But Mars is the most interesting, because in the... On the seafloor, uh, in the pretty much in the Pacific Ocean, is a place called you're going to love this, Tamu, T-A-M-U, Massif, Massif meaning massive, and Tamu standing for Texas A&M University, who actually discovered the massive hmm. volcanic plateau. And people argue, but it's the largest volcano on Earth. And now Mauna Kea claims that, but by surface area, it's the largest. Now listen to this. 
I took a look at it, and something stood out at me. I posted it, and one of my listeners spotted the face on it. I missed it. And when I looked at the face, I got a hold of a bright, bright physicist, I mean really bright, and uh, out of country, and I said, could you do me a favor? Will you superimpose the Tamu Masif Plateau over the Olympus Mons Plateau? Now, the Olympus Mons Plateau is on Mars, okay? Okay. And then I'm trying to sync up and link up the faces on Mars, okay? So when people go to Coast to Coast AM site, you'll see this. And by the way, it's not on my site, it's on Coast site. So here is the working hypothesis I'm working on. The planet Mars and, and Earth used to be much closer together than they are now. There are even, uh, re- I mean, Velikovsky was mocked, you know, as being a pseudoscientist until everything that we did after Velikovsky's death proved that basically he wasn't a pseudoscientist, he was a genius. He claims Venus is a captured comet. You got it. And uh, that's, by the way, the whole, and we're having Branson this year uh, uh, that's going to be dealing with cataclysms and the coming Earth changes, and it's going to be pretty interesting, George. We've already got, I think, 60% sold out, and Branson, you can go and see the whole story on it, but it's about cataclysms, and it's about astral catastrophism. A lot of the standard geologic timetable information is based on natural processes taking place over fill-in-the-blank, billions and billions of years. But when you start dealing with planetary physics and you start dealing with plasma physics, the exchanges between, uh, there's even a uh, law called Roche's Limit. When planets come too close together, the greater mass of the more planetary, uh, the, the, the mass of the greater planet will destroy the lesser planet. So that's why there's an asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. And the thing is, is that what I'm saying is this is just because someone's ahead of the time doesn't mean they're wrong at that time. And we're seeing everything and a lot of things that are changing because our knowledge base is increasing. So getting back to Tamu Masus, M-A-S-S-I-F, isn't it interesting? Texas A&M University, but M-U, A&M University, goes right back to Mu. Somebody said, well, that's just coincidence. That's just, you're really stretching it, Steve. No. I'm saying this, what are the chances that I can take the largest volcanic plate, give or take the argument that maybe Mauna Kea, Mauna Kea may be bigger from, you know, elevation-wise from the seafloor, but when you do that and you put it over, um, you know, again, Olympus Mons, a plateau, and the face is on, uh, the face singular on Mars, the face singular on Tamu Masif, and also there's a face on Cuba, underwater and what i'm telling everybody is this the great ancient civilizations of history were judged in a planetary cataclysm and that sank them beneath the waves not over an extended amount of time but over pretty much an instantaneous act of massive tidal surge planetary discharge now people say well you can't prove that well i'm doing huge devastation wasn't it yeah, it was devastating. And so, and here's another thing that'll flip people out. I always love this stuff because you will open it up for questions, but I'm on record as stating that with the different forms of earthquakes and subduction plate movement, both overthrust and subduction, that we're going to see a lot of the ancient civilizations that sank beneath the sea rising out of the sea. I don't mean complete with people or fallen angels or, or anything like that, 
But what I am talking about is that we're seeing already things exposed with tidal recession. We're seeing things exposed, for instance, in the Sahara Desert. Some of the winds now that are, you know, the land terrestrial winds are going to reveal some of the ancient civilizations that have been uh, covered over by the sands of time, pun intended. And now it's time for those sands to be uh, turned back over. And some of the, literally, you and I have talked about giants for, you know, as long as we've talked together on talk radio. Literally, the lost empire of the giants referred to in ancient writing. Even the Sahara used to be lush, and one of the largest lakes in the world is under the Sahara, deep enough. So by satellite sensing, remote sensing, and watching certain things that uh, legends that were only legends, they could never be true, and now they're coming to the forefront. That is one of the statements I'm making, that the, uh, if you will, the uh, civilizations and the land masses both under the sea and the land masses that are under the desert sands are going to start to reveal uh, uh, antiquity that is going to blow away the standard, all oh, that stuff's just myth and legends. Myths and legends have their basis in fact. They may, especially, for instance, a myth may be, uh, uh, you know, attributes uh, added to it after the fact. But legends, that's a different story. And that's especially why the Native Americans, and I'm going to jump right there, the Native Americans know what's going on, especially more so than uh, most of the, quote, white university professors. And I actually sent to George Knapp one of the biggest a studies ever done on the sacred sites of Native Americans. And I don't know if you've seen that, and if you'd liked it, I'd say it's like 400 pages or something. I'll have George tell me about it. Yeah, but anyway, it's their conclusion that the stargates and the mystical places of the Native Americans are going to play a very important part of the future. And this thing was done, I think, about 10, 15 years ago. Does that include Hopis? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're right at the center of it. And by the way, uh, you know, you know Cliff Mahuti. You've met him. Mm-hmm. You know him? Uh, uh, the Zuni elder. You know Cliff, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just talked to him. He's going to be an executive. I, I believe he's going to. He's agreed to be the executive producer on the next True Legends film. And Cliff knows what he's talking about. I had the joy of spending about a week with him in the in Utah desert when we did Holocaust of Giants. Now I'm jumping around for this reason because we're going to be talking about, in the next True Legends, you know, the, the Stargates, the Star People, the aliens, and we're going to be talking about it in a context that has yet to be breached or approached by anybody so far. And, you know, everybody's doing a great job, but everybody has their area of expertise. And, for instance, there are places that are just mind-boggling, And again, I think it's critical that people understand that just because everybody agrees to something that's wrong doesn't make it right. So they've got to learn that, you know, there are there are rogues out there and sometimes they need to pay attention to the rogues because what happens if to go along to get along they're going along the wrong way. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at one AM Eastern and go to Coast to Coast AM dot com for more.